0: Welcome once again to Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages from the ministry of Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. Currently, Dr. Cairns is preaching a series of studies in the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns shortly. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, A Constant Witness. The text is Acts 22 and verse 15. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. Paul was chosen to see and hear the Lord speaking to him out of heaven. This divine election was a high privilege for himself, but it was not intended to end with him. It was meant to have an influence upon others. Yea, upon all men. It is to Paul that Europe owes the gospel at this hour. It is ours in our measure to be witnesses of that which the Lord has revealed to us. And it is at our peril that we hide the precious revelation. First we must see and hear, or we shall have nothing to tell. But when we have done so, we must be eager to bear our testimony. It must be personal. Thou shalt be... It must be for Christ. Thou shalt be His witness. It must be constant and all-absorbing. We are to be this above all other things, and to the exclusion of many other matters. Our witness must not be to a select few who will cheerfully receive us, but to all men, to all whom we can reach, young or old, rich or poor, good or bad." We must never be silent like those who are possessed by a dumb spirit, for the text before us is a command and a promise, and we must not miss it. Thou shalt be his witness. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Lord, fulfill this word to me also. If you have been blessed by the beautiful sacred music which forms a part of Let the Bible Speak, you may obtain a CD containing a sampling of these Christ-honoring selections. Entitled, Our Great Redeemer's Praise, this CD will provide you with nearly an hour of such beloved pieces as Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, Be Still, My Soul, May the Mind of Christ My Savior, and In Heavenly Love Abiding, These songs are performed by the various musical groups of Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina. This CD is available free of charge to our Let the Bible Speak listeners. To obtain a copy, you may contact us by email, by telephone, or by regular mail. You may call 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Ask for your free copy of Our Great Redeemer's Praise. Call or write for your copy today. As the Lord Jesus Christ approached the hour of His crucifixion, He took time to prepare His disciples for the time when He would no longer be with them physically. In several passages in the Gospel of John, we find Christ telling His sorrowing disciples that when He returned to heaven, He would send them a Comforter, referring to the Holy Spirit. In this message, Dr. Cairns will explain the various ministries of the Holy Spirit to the people of God. Now, Dr. Cairns will commence the message called The Comforter. John 14,
1: verses 16, 17, and 26. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it saith him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Chapter 15 and verse 26 But when the Comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the Father even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father he shall testify of me. Finally, chapter 16 of John and verses 7 to 11 Nevertheless, I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. And When he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment, of sin, because they believe not in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more, of judgment, because the Prince of this word is judged. Amen. The Lord will add his own blessing to these verses from his own precious word for his name's sake. The Lord never removes one blessing, but that he gives us another, either in its place or ultimately in addition to the first. In the passages we have been reading from God's Word, we discover that the disciples of Christ were very, very deeply despondent. The idea that their Lord and Savior would be taken away from them had never once entered their minds, and it was therefore only with the very greatest reluctance that they came to accept the word of the Savior, that indeed... He must die. And upon receiving that word, we read that sorrow filled their hearts. All their hopes appeared to them to lie crushed in the dust, and they were overcome with the greatest darkness and despair. It was this sense of hopelessness, this sense of utter loss, that the Lord Jesus set out to remove in his last discourse to the disciples before going to the cross. And he offered them many comforts. It's very interesting to read this discourse in that light. I would recommend it to you for your study. It was his purpose that he would not leave them comfortless or leave them as orphans in the world you will discover that he left them not without a promise. He did not leave them without a rule of life. He did not leave them without a revelation of the Father. There are many things that he left with them for their comfort, but preeminent among all the comforts that the Savior gave to his sorrowing disciples was the promise of another Comforter, even God the Holy Ghost. To the disciples, the departure of Christ seemed like a total and unmitigated disaster. And we've got to say that we can well understand their thinking. After three and a half years of walking daily in the Savior's presence, hearing his word, seeing his work, it seemed to them a disaster that now he should be taken from them. What could they, without Christ, possibly do now? How could they personally ever overcome such loss? They had staked everything from the truth that Christ Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. They had lost everything. As to their position and their acceptability in the Jewish nation, they had given up everything for him. How could they ever then make good the loss when Christ was taken from them? But you know, the disciples discovered something that you and I need to discover. It's very hard for us to take it in. It's easy to say, but uh, it's one of those things that can come glibly to the lips. But when you're in... The actual valley of trouble is difficult to feel it in your heart. The disciples came to learn that there are no disasters with God. There are no disasters to the people who are walking in the will of God. Now, at times, it appears that there are such disasters. We feel them. But they found, truly, there are no such things as disasters with God. So the Lord Jesus said to them in John 16 and 7, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. The word expedient simply means profitable. It is expedient for you. It's good for you. It's profitable to you that I go away. What a statement. The Lord Jesus says to them, Far from losing out, when I die and am removed from you, you will gain by my going. And so they did. You see, while Christ was on earth, the disciples had with them an ever-present paraclete. One who was always by their side as their advocate. Now that he went to heaven, they could see the result. Christ was still their paraclete, only now he was at the right hand of God. And then in addition to that, the Holy Spirit was their paraclete on earth. So far from losing, they actually came to gain. Jesus said, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him, that is, the Comforter, unto you. Now, it's to this ministry of the Holy Spirit as the Comforter that we want to turn this morning, as we continue with the studies in the person and work of the Holy Ghost. He's called in our text the Comforter, The word is a paraclete, and uh, you can see even as it's pronounced that it's basically two words with a, a very simple meaning. I say a simple meaning despite the fact that there's been a lot of very learned discussion over the meaning of the word. Simply however, it means one who is called alongside of another, especially as a comforter, as an advocate, and as a helper. This is the peculiar ministry of God the Holy Spirit. He is the paraclete. He is the one who is called alongside of the child of God as his comforter, as his helper, as his advocate with God and his advocate before men. So today I want us to think of the four works of the Holy Ghost as our paraclete. Now the very first thing that we have noted and we'll set it out again is that the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is the Christian's comforter. Actually, there are quite a few scholars who deny that the word in the Greek means comforter at all. And they use, I, I had to look again, they love to use big words. And on what they call semasiological grounds, that sounds impressive, doesn't it? You couldn't be impressed with that, you're dumb, deaf, and blind. Well, I have to say, on those grounds they tell us uh, the word cannot meet, mean comforter. Having said that, I'm not greatly impressed by all their argument. The word uh, semasiological simply means that these are grounds based on the history of the development of the word's meaning. Well, uh, that's very interesting. But when you get into the Scripture you find that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, no matter what the scholars say. He is the Comforter. In John 16, the promise was given very evidently amidst great sorrow. It was meant to be a Comfort. And not only was the promise meant to be a Comfort, but the person who was promised, namely the Holy Ghost, was evidently in the terms of this promise, meant to deal with the sorrow and the despair that filled the hearts of God's people. So, his chief purpose in coming was, in truth, to be their comforter. You know, God's people are living in a world in in which they certainly need comfort. Comfort's one of those words that uh, you use, and you never stop to think of the meaning of it. You stop to think of it, what does it mean? The word comfort carries in it the idea of uh, a certain sense of ease and enjoyment in the midst of afflictions, trials, troubles and sufferings. And so the the Lord Jesus is promising that the Holy Spirit of God will be the one who will impart God's ease, the enjoyment of divine things to hearts that are assailed by all sorts of evil and calamity and trouble and suffering and trial. Now God's people are certainly a suffering people. That's something that isn't too often preached today. We have all, in some way or other, been touched by the charismatic delusion that it's God's will that you never have trouble, that it's God's will that you never suffer illness or pain or reverses or calamities. They have even the audacity to go to the greatest man of God of his age, Job, whom the Lord sets forth as an example of suffering and an example of faith and an example of patience. And they have the lying audacity to tell us that it was because Job feared that God struck him and God smote him. Whereas God himself says it was because Job was so holy that there was no one else him. that the Lord, for his own glory, allowed him to go through the fires of suffering and of trouble. Isaiah tells us in chapter 48 and 10 that God's people are chosen in a furnace of affliction. Zechariah tells us that they are an afflicted and poor people. The Lord Jesus in the 16th chapter of John promised his disciples, In this world ye shall have tribulation. Paul and Barnabas warned their early converts as they sought to confirm them in the faith. And they said that we must through much tribulation enter the kingdom of God. And again, Paul was very adamant in telling young Timothy that all that would live godly in Christ Jesus would suffer persecution. So, God's people are in a furnace of affliction. And thus, it is a major work of the gospel to bring comfort to their hearts. You remember the words of Isaiah, chapter 40 and verse 1, this is the verse that starts the second part of the prophecy of Isaiah, the part that corresponds with the New Testament. You'll remember that Isaiah has 66 chapters, just as the Bible has 66 books. The first 39 books of the Bible make up the Old Testament. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah make up the first great part of that prophecy, corresponding generally with the Old Testament. Now in the 40th chapter, he enters into the great evangelical prophecy of the New Testament gospel in all its foods. How does it start? Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. The gospel has as one of its great aims and objects the comfort of the people of God. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the apostle writes to a very troubled people and he says in verse 3, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, listen, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. He is the God of all comfort. He comforteth us in all our tribulations. Remember what Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 15 and verse 4? Whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. This is the great E.M. of the gospel.
0: You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak.